All right, this is Gary Parrish again from CBSSports.com again, and uh, let me welcome you to the Ion College Basketball Podcast again, which is now brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial, 10% off, go to squarespace.com slash Sports and use the offer code FUN. That's FUN at squarespace.com slash Sports. All right, let's get into it. The Final Four is now set. It's Sunday night. It is, uh, let's put a number on it, 1045 Eastern as I speak. We got Connecticut, Florida set up for Saturday in the early game. Wisconsin, Kentucky set up for the late game. Here to help me talk about it is Jeff Brazello and Matt Norlander. Pleasant Sunday night to you guys. Hello, hello. Pleasant, pleasant to you, GP. Yeah, it's good to be here. It's good to talk to you again. I've uh... good to be here. dude. It is. It's genuinely like Borzell and I were hanging in NYC being buds, but we have barely talked to you in the past week. It's because uh, it's been so crazy. So it's it's great to hear your voice. Yeah, man. It's, it's good. It's good to have a voice. It's been. Uh, I, I have learned a valuable lesson. It's good to know you're alive. <laughs> it's. it's, it's I, I've learned a valuable lesson over the past week, and that lesson is this. Hosting a regional is not simple. It's a very difficult thing to do because uh, you feel obligated, or at least I feel obligated. Perhaps, perhaps not everybody feels this way, but I felt obligated to have all of these these riders, most of whom are friends, in uh, my hometown. That I I felt like I had to show them a good time right. and 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 take them out and make sure they enjoyed my city, my home of Memphis, Tennessee, as much as as much as I enjoy. Uh, my city and home of Memphis, and it and the whole thing got out of hand. The whole thing got completely out of hand, and so um, I was so glad when I left the arena on Saturday night after watching Florida handle Dayton by ten points to advance to uh, uh, the fourth Final Four of Billy Donovan's tenure. I was so glad to be able to say goodbye to everybody and 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 wish them well on their flights home. I needed people to get out of here. It it it, it has taken a toll uh, on on my my body. It has taken a toll on my uh, relationship. Family. <laughs> <laughs> it has taken a toll on everything. So I'm, uh, I'm just now recovering. But uh, how was New York? You guys have a good time? It wasn't bad. It was, not, it, was, it was good. It was, uh, first of all, I want regional finals and regional semifinals in Madison Square Garden every year. Um, yes. it, was, it, was, like, it was awesome. It was the best environment I've been in. Uh, for an NCAA tournament game in the four years I've been working at CBS. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, I think I have to agree with Borzello in that it was uh, uh, Virginia's fans blew they me away. Man, yeah, Blo- like so. And I thought that, hedge fund guys, that, man, exactly, they got money. I thought I thought they, they, they would money. travel well. I know it's one of the richest, you know, alumni bases considering Virginia and its law school and, and getting people into New York. But the volume in which uh, Virginia outnumbered Michigan State and Iowa State, which was decent. I mean, it was it was really UVA versus UConn there on uh, on Friday night. But in MSG. Both, you know, Friday and here today on Sunday, it was uh, it was awesome in a lot of ways. It it bettered even some of the best Big East tournament games I've seen, and and even as a as a writer or just going to experience Big East games for the better part of the past decade, I've seen some pretty amazing experiences. So, I ended I up writing about there was good though. Like it was. Oh, it was huge. But I yeah, but I mean, and I and I wrote about this Sunday night. I you know we know the sites for the tournament next year. 
But then later this year, we're going to know basically 2016, 2017, 2018, where the tournament's going to be played in the first and second weekend. And in my opinion, while UConn was a great natural draw, no matter who is there, the city lures people in. And because it'll always be an East regional, you're going to have a Syracuse, a UNC, a Duke, a UConn. Like there is always going to be at least one team that's kind of, you know, will be the flagship, if you will. But even still, like people are always going to come in. So it was a... I mean, Borzell and I just we we had a blast. It was it was really fantastic to see that, and uh, and I would assume the NCAA won't allow itself to go so long again. It had been 53 years since the tournament had been in uh, in the Garden. Y'all didn't have as much fun as I had. Oh, I know we didn't have. I, I, I saw I saw you tweet that you lost lost a bunch of credit cards. So. I found them. I found them. There you go. Yeah, I found them. They were um they were right 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 where I dropped them at at. It was just. They were right where I dropped them. Can, are you willing to reveal at what time you actually stepped uh, through through your front door, um, whatever day that was? Well, I got I had a hotel downtown. Um, oh, yeah, okay. for the uh, uh, for the regional because uh, I think I might have lied to myself. I I do this all the time. I I I rationalize things, and so my my thinking going in was: listen, I cannot be coming home from. Uh, a round of 64, round of 32 in St. Louis, diving into a regional and then getting ready to go to the final four, you know, late nights, driving back and forth. You know, I live 25 minutes outside of downtown Memphis, driving back and forth home with a three-month-old baby, like getting up every morning, you know, middle of the night with the baby. And like, it just like, it'll, it'll wear me out completely. So like in the spirit of being productive, I need to like treat this like I'm at a regional, like I'm on the road where I can really focus on work. Uh, 24 hours a day, and and I and and then what what I, I what it actually amounted to is um I entertained I ended up entertaining all of the riders. Pat Forty was in town from uh, uh from Yahoo, of course. Even Brennan from ESPN. We had a, a, a Pete Thamel from uh, SI, and so I did not step back in my front door uh, on I guess it would be Saturday morning. Uh, after a Friday night out, we watched games together. We all watched games together downtown, and then we just started popping around a little bit. But I, I think, um, oh God, should I say this? Of course, say I it. Should. Say it. Five forty-five. There you go, kid. Five forty-five. Hey, hey, kid. Hey, hey. But let, let me, let's just make it clear. I wasn't alone. Like all as the you, as you say with your hoarse voice, and <laughs> <laughs> all the other writers were out too. Like it wasn't like just me by myself. Though five, it was a hey, all I, everybody was uh, everybody was getting after it in a in a pretty uh, re- remarkable way. We witnessed we we witnessed a fight on the trolley tracks. Witnessed one person throw up. Um, the whole the whole yeah. I mean, listen, I I hope this is all I hope is that uh, folks left Memphis after the South Regional saying. My God, I, that was a great time. I don't know that I need to come back anytime soon because my head hurts. But that, but we had it. But but Paris showed us a great time. That's all I was after, and I, I think I I think I lived up up to my responsibilities in that regard, and, and maybe didn't quite meet them in other places. So uh, now now I mean now we're just gonna cruise control final four. You know what? I thought about like I need. I don't know. Like by the time we get to Dallas, I'll feel fine. Yeah, right? it'll be you know? Norlander. It'll be Norlander. Here's the keys. Right. Yeah. By the time we get to Dallas, <laughs> I'll be fine. But like there was a moment today where I'm like watching games and I'm like I, you know, like I, I'm so I'm done. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing anything at the Final Four. I know. Like it's just me lying to myself again. It's really all I do. Wake up every day and just lie to myself. So we're going to the Final Four. We got Connecticut, Florida, Kentucky, Wisconsin. The the obvious storyline there is that we are. Um, and if you've seen the opening lines. 
then then you know this is true. We're, we are on path for an all-SEC national championship game. It, if the favorites win on Saturday, on Monday night, we will watch Florida and Kentucky play for the sec for the fourth time, fourth time yeah, yeah this year Florida of course has won every one of those games um are you surprised we've ended up here I don't guess anybody should be surprised Florida's in the final four and given that Kentucky was the preseason number one team it shouldn't be shocking but uh I, I don't I've seen a lot of brackets I didn't see any that had Connecticut Florida Kentucky Wisconsin coming out I think that looking back you're I mean looking at it from from afar you're shocked at the teams that made it but if you look at each game that each team played, all three Kentucky games, all all four Kentucky games, all four UConn games, it's not shocking to see them win all those games. I mean, Kentucky was, you know, talent-wise and on paper, they were evenly matched in all their games. UConn was evenly matched in pretty much all their games. Um, maybe you know, today they were like five, six-point underdogs. But, like, looking at that game, it's, you didn't look at it and say, UConn can't win this game. It's shocking that they won this game. So I think when you look at it big picture, it's surprising, but... I think when you look at it, when you when you really like narrow it down, I don't think it's that shocking that each of those teams won those games. Uh, I agree with that. It is funny. We talked. To, I think we talked about this in the preseason, guys. How you know the preseason polls can often uh, signal a lot of stuff that'll come true at the end of the year, and uh, that Kentucky gets back as an eight seed. I think is pretty interesting. This, uh, in terms of like the seeding, I mean, it's it's now the fifth straight year that we've only had. Uh, well, we've had less than two number one seeds two years, or in 2011, we didn't have any number one seeds, and that was uh, when UConn ended up winning. Um, UConn getting there, man. Like it's weird. Like I, I'm, I'm very surprised that that team did it. But then you, you know, you basically, you tell me who's the most valuable player to any team in the country, and it would have been McDermott, maybe. But I still think, I still think Creighton would have been better without McDermott than than uh, UConn would have been without Shabazz. I think he is he is the most vital player to any team. And so in that scope, I guess it's not tremendously surprising. You know, they got a Villanova team they matched up well against, and Iowa State wasn't fully healthy. And Michigan State, uh, I mean, they just played great defense. And Michigan State was oddly uh, just determined to shoot a lot of threes. Um, I like this Final Four a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm interested in kind of every team that's going. Uh, GP, what are your thoughts? I like it a lot, too. And uh, Connecticut is the one that um, is surprising me, right? I mean, um, not only because they're a seven seed, although that plays into it. And this is a team that finished three games back of Louisville and Cincinnati in the American standings. Um, this is a team that got swept by SMU, that lost by 33 three weeks ago to Louisville. Um, all of the things you typically look for that – you, you would apply to a Final Four team. It's not really there, except for they got a great player. You know, they got one guy who can You're do the best player in the tournament. Yeah. They, I mean, he has been the best player in the tournament. I mean, he, they've got one guy. And and it's funny, like, I, I think because he's hit big shots. Sound familiar, by the way? I, mean, I know, crazy. right. I mean, well, that's well, that's what's funny is that. There's going to be a thousand stories written about I him know, this week. Right. I know, mean, right. Like, comparison. Right. And it's, it, but it's not, it's not like this out of nowhere compared. Like, people have been talking about it. I just assumed that it couldn't happen again. You know, like, right. I, like I, I would always say, like, Shabazz is great, but he's not Kemba. You know, and, and I, I still think that's true, but damn, he's a lot closer than I thought because he's like, he's doing it. You know, I mean, he's doing it. He's got him in the final four. You know, it's an eight loss team, a team that went 12 and six in the American Athletic Conference, and he's got them, you know, in, in the final four. And, and no, they're not favored to beat Florida, but, but can they? Hell, they've already done it once, right? I mean, they, right. They, you know, so at this point, 
uh, listen, I know who I'll pick to win the national championship, and I think you guys will pick. I, I don't, and it won't be Connecticut. But like, there's nothing crazy about Connecticut doing this. And um, but but that is the one that that's surprising to me. Kentucky, like, if they ever like, we've been saying for all year long, like, if it ever flipped, then then they were they could be physically. Like, I actually wrote a column. The headline says they can be physically overwhelming. Like, this is why they're a scary matchup in March because they can physically overwhelm you. And that's what they're doing to teams right now uh, besides making shots in an uncharacteristic way. But um, I think, I think you, it, it didn't take a big imagination to see Kentucky doing this. Um, although uh, I'm not going to use revisionist history. I, I didn't think they'd flip the switch. I thought it got too late that they weren't going to be able to do it. Um, you know, c- clearly I, I was wrong, but you know, you look at that roster and the idea that that roster is in the final four shouldn't surprise anybody. Wisconsin, like they've been, they had a bad stretch, you know, January, you know, early February, uh, but that was always a good basketball team. Florida's Florida. Uh, Connecticut, though. I mean, the, the the idea that this is the same team that got run off the court by Louisville a few weeks ago uh, is now here is, is pretty remarkable. And it comes down to that defense, absolutely. But also because they've got, you know, really one of the, 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 the nice stars in, of the sport. And a guy who, you know, if it weren't for McDermott, would be stacking National Player of the Year honors at this totally. point, probably. Borze- yeah. Borzella, I mean, go ahead. You talk about, you, you had written on this from the Garden tonight in terms of just the, the overall picture of what UConn did. Well, yeah, I mean, if you look at them a year and a half ago, we were all kind of questioning where was UConn's program headed. You know, Calhoun had stepped down. Ali was an interim. They didn't even trust him with the permanent job. You know, they were on NCAA probation. Uh, they're changing conferences. And, you know, just the kind of the future didn't look like it was going to be a, a vintage, you know, next few years of UConn basketball. And then, uh, you know, Kevin Ollie comes in and the players buy in. And then they were pretty good last year, but nobody cared about them because they weren't um, eligible for the tournament. And, and now he's, he's got them playing. You know, he's got them in the Final Four. And Napier has developed into one of the best players in the country. And Ollie is... You know, I think he's done a terrific job with his team. It's just crazy how much has changed uh, in the past 18 months in terms of, of the program. And, and like you saw you know, at the game tonight, there was all the, the former UConn legends were there. Rip Hamilton, yeah. Khaled El Amin, you know, Okafor, Ben Gordon, you know, down the line. You know, I, and, and I think that, that shows yeah, how much, you know, I guess having a, keeping that kind of continuity going by going from Calhoun to Ali with all the former UConn guys on staff. I just think that continuity, that like you know, that family type atmosphere. I think that really helped uh, with the transition. It is, na- oh, go ahead. It, it is funny that like once upon a time they were unsure of whether Kevin Ali should yeah. should get totally a unsure. Yeah. Like, and, and, I, and I got a, I got a horde of buddies when he got the job that are UConn fans because this is where I live who absolutely hated the hire. Oh wow. I yeah. always, I know, like, in, like I, went, I wrote about this many, many times. I was like, listen, I, I don't, how would I know if Kevin Alley is going to be great? Like, I, like, on it, how would anybody know? Except that people I knew and respected had a really high opinion of him, and I guess I was just fundamentally against leaving him sort of hanging there, like, like, he, like, commit to him, and and if it doesn't work, then buy him out, and move on, but commit to him, like, to have. I just think it's, I think it's. In the in this state of college basketball, to have your coach with an uncertain future just never made sense to me. So I I consistently said they should commit to him long term, but not necessarily because I thought he was this. Although I I I, I thought he could be because people I respected had a high opinion of, but because I just thought you should commit to him. And the idea that that university was hesitant on some level to do it uh, seems a little silly. Now second year head coach in the Final Four. 
Bonkers. Okay, uh, exactly. Second year, first year of tournament eligibility. They couldn't go last year because of the APR sanctions. Uh, that's wild. He's the sixth coach ever to make a Final Four in his first tournament appearance, going back to 79 when they started seeding teams. It's totally crazy. And what was what was bizarre to me, um, and I, I promise we will not get on a uh, Twitter people are weird thing again, because I know we talk about that to a fault, but I tweeted out that it took Calhoun 27 years to get to a Final Four the first time, and Ollie did it in his second season, first in tournament eligibility, and I just got uh, uh, rained down upon about how it's all Calhoun's players. Yo, I don't care whose players it are. Like, to do this at 41, had never been a college coach before, a head coach. And, you know, he had a little bit of experience there. It's incredible. And um, Borzell and I, you know. The players we, love playing for him, too. They like you, absolutely you could, like, Even last year, even last year when they, they couldn't make the tournament, like, you could tell that the players just love playing with him. And, like, they love playing for him. And, and it just seems that there's the relationship between him and the players is just, it's you know, it's awesome. It's just, they seem to be just generally happy. I mean, even, like, you don't see guys sulking around, stuff like that. It seems mm-hmm. like everyone just loves playing for him. Yeah, the quote of the weekend. Um, I wasn't around when, it, when he said it, but I saw it passed along. You know, someone had talked about last year when they couldn't go, and he, he said, yeah, we were banned from the tournament. We were banned from coming here, and he was referencing the Garden for the Big East tournament when UConn was leaving the conference. But he's like, but they weren't banned from loving each other. They weren't banned from encouraging each other. Like, just kind of like basic coach boiler speak. But you know what? With Kevin Ollie, like, they freaking buy in 100%, and yeah. it's just, uh, it's really, and when you're around him, like, uh, GP, I don't know how much you've been around Ollie. I know you've seen him a little bit, but sure. it is impossible not to be... Like that dude will never fail on a job interview, no matter what he does. His his verve is ridiculous. No, he's impressive, and I honestly like last year. I, I think they only won twenty games. They finished like tied for seventh in the Big East or whatever. But the idea that he had those those kids playing when they had nothing to play for, right. like that that's yeah. it. That that it, it, you know. To me, that was the—I don't want to say it was the first impressive thing about him because I just think the way he carries himself is impressive in general. Uh, but to you know, ask any coach when you've got nothing to play for, like that's why you see these these um, reasonably talented teams go to the NIT and then just get their asses beat because they don't care. Yeah. You know, they don't play. They have, they feel like they have nothing to play for. Well, Connecticut quite literally had nothing to play for last year, and yet he got them. I don't want to say from start to finish because they did lose 10 games and eight in the uh, Big East, but he got them to compete. You know, he got them to buy in. He got them to work, even though uh, there wasn't something at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. And so, and then, I mean, they didn't even know they were going to be playing for the same coach next year, you know, after after last, you know, because he wasn't even the permanent job. He was still in the Right. Intro. It was, GP, you touched on that. I mean, it was, I remember you writing the column. I mean, it, it was kind of out there for way too long. It was like, what is going on here? Like, he seems like he's got to be the guy. Why aren't they finally just lay, locking him in? Yeah, that, that was my thing. I was just like, commit to him, even if it's just for the perception that you're committing to him, just do it. Like, like, you know, it, it, sometimes people get caught, so caught up on, well, like, well, then what if it doesn't work out? Well, then do what you do every other time it doesn't work out. Just pay the guy to go away. Like, that's the, what college athletics is built on, for better or worse. I mean, that's the reality of, of this whole deal. So uh, I, I, I never understood the hesitation, but whatever. You know, it's March 30th, and they're going to the Final Four, so good uh, uh, good for them. Florida, on the, uh, you know, is the opponent, and this is a rematch. It's interesting that um, – I said this on a radio show earlier. Um, you know, their resume, Florida's resume, was so awesome on Selection Sunday that they were the number one overall seed. And now the resume looks even better today. I mean, their only two losses they had all year were yeah. to two teams that have joined them in the Final Four. You know, and so they have an opportunity to 
uh, at least in, in theory, possibly avenge most of those losses. If That's probably the wrong verb, but whatever. Um, they could knock out Connecticut and then, you know, if Wisconsin get past Kentucky, knock out Wisconsin and then um, be able to say that they did beat at least Wouldn't once everybody on their schedule. It would be wild. I saw Florida up close this weekend. Uh, you know, I, I'd seen them earlier in the year, but, um, you know, they were in Memphis uh, with me. They handled UCLA. They handled Dayton. Um, you know, I, I don't think they played brilliantly or perfectly, but they just were never seriously threatened. And I don't even care what the score was. You know, at any point in the game, there might have been a point in the game where they were only up three with six minutes. They were never losing. I mean, it just be, if you watch the games, it's just like you never got the sense that they were losing. Like there were many times watching Michigan, Kentucky today. I was like, okay, that team's losing. Okay, that team's like, or even Connecticut, Michigan State. Like that team's like, okay, now this team's like, there was never a moment where you right. flip-flopped on Florida. And I, it was just so business-like. That's, I mean, they just, they are so in control of everything and and they don't have to play well to beat you because you can't score on them i mean you have people really have a hard time uh scoring on them they were uh up 10 at the half against or, or no up 14 at the half against dayton only had five field goals the rest of the game and still won by 10 like they it's just it's just it's, <laughs> yeah. just, ridiculous. It, it, it feels, it's just I mean, ridiculous it feels like they don't i mean they're like not not that they're just going through the motions but you know they're 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 just so comfortable in what they do, and it's it's like you said, like you never think they're gonna lose. They just seem so kind of, you know, they're not stressed out there. They're just you know going up the court. They're running an offense. They're getting a basket, and they're just not letting the other team score. It's just like I mean, they're just they're kind of just doing what they do. They're not doing anything special, and like you said, they don't look like they were dominating teams. No. But at the end of the day, they're winning by double digits without doing anything all that great, and it's it's just impressive that like you know every team has to play a perfect game to win. And they just have to go out there, and, and you never really think they're they're going to lose. That guy talk, give, yeah. No, go ahead. I was just going to give – listen, Borzello's not going to pat himself on the back, but I, I'm going to give him some props here because he's had Florida since last summer, basically, uh, and to be this good. Now, maybe not too lost good, but at number one seed, make the Final Four good. So, you uh, you know, credit to you, dude. I mean, you've kind of seen bro. this. <laughs> You know, I talked to Archie Miller about him yesterday, and um, I, honestly, like, I, I, I don't feel like I'm telling secrets. Uh, you know, but uh, you know, Thursday night, Dayton played the early game, right? And so they handled Stanford, and I, I was with that staff a little bit, like, between games. And I, I'm not saying they were like, uh, well, we got – but they knew – like if we play UCLA, we got like we we can we can we can maybe catch them, you know? Because like UCLA, as good as they were, you know, at moments this year, they were also the same team that got blown out by Washington State like a couple of weeks ago. Like you know, they they had something on their resume that suggested an, an inferior team could could catch them. Florida didn't. So as soon as Florida won, you know, the Dayton staff they knew what they were up against and and that they were going to have to play perfectly and and have Florida not play well. And Florida didn't play well, but they didn't play perfectly, and that probably had a lot to do with Florida, and so you get what you get. I mean, again, that to me, that's a fascinating stat. They were up 14 at the half, only scored five field goals in the final 20 minutes, and still won by 10. I mean, like, it never, and the game was never closer than eight in the second half. They were never threatened, even though they couldn't score, and that's because Dayton couldn't score. So when I talked to Archie about it after the game, you know, he was like, listen, you know, what are you going to do? You know, we got here, we took a shot. You know, they're really, really good. But he was just um, – Blown away by how good they are defensively and, and how good Wilbekin is. Like, could not say enough nice things about Wilbekin. And it's interesting, you know, when you look at Shabazz's uh, stat lines, like, they, they, they jump off the page typically. You know, it's like, whoa, it's like 28 points. And yeah, you know, and you know he's having a good game. You yeah. know he's having 25, 28, 30 yeah. points. Like, yeah. you don't need to watch it. You, I, mean, you, I mean, you can just look at the box score and go, he's filling it up. Like, he's doing everything. With, with Wilbekin, like, the box scores don't look like that. 
but but when you watch the game, and this is the point, Archie, like he controls everything. Like he and and when they need a big shot, he takes it, he makes it, he makes them in, he makes them around the basket, he makes them you know twenty two feet from the basket. Um, he's not as flashy. He's not as flashy um, as as Shabazz, if if and maybe because nobody is. Um, but he's the same kind of killer, you know that that Shabazz is. Yeah. Like he's got that same thing in him. And so to see those guys go again, you know, go round two, um, it's going to be a, a lot of fun. It's the undercard game because you know, let's be honest. If you've got an opportunity to put Kentucky in prime time, you put Kentucky in prime time. But um, but that but you know, Wilbekin Napier round two going to be a lot of fun. And and to note, I mean, I was at that game, really good game, but you'll hear plenty. Uh, Baz hit the winner. And Wilbekin left the game with three minutes to go with an ankle injury. Right. So that was, I mean, one, the shot that he got, it was kind of, it was a second chance kind of lucky shot for Shabazz. And really, I mean, truly Florida is just so close to being a one loss team. It's, it's ridiculous how he hit that shot, but now you'll have Wilbekin fully healthy and, uh, yeah, undeniably, that's a cool storyline. Florida has not lost since it went to Connecticut and fell at the buzzer uh, to the best player in the tournament, and now we get a cool rematch. We, we that almost never happens. Remember, and they'll, have, and they'll have a rematch with whoever they play in the title game. And then, of course, um, right? Oh, will, whoa, Borzello just breezing past UConn's chances there. Okay, I'm no, with no, you, I but, say it, but I'm saying they, they'll have a, they'll they've played five games against the Final Four teams. Yeah, yeah, you're just saying that Florida's going to yeah. win, and I know we all we're all on the same page there. Okay, so the other game, of course, will be Kentucky and Wisconsin. Kentucky opened as I think a two and a half point favorite, even though they're the eight seed and Wisconsin's the two seed, which shows you. Um, you know, and I don't want to say it shows you what seeds mean because the seed, like, I think, I don't know if Kentucky should have been an eight or a seven, but they were basically seeded the right way. It's funny how, you know, when they start playing well, people go, oh, I can't believe they were an eight seed. I can totally believe they're an eight seed. Given, given the way the committee is instructed to seed teams based on the stuff that you're supposed to care about, then yeah, they, they should, maybe an eight. Okay. We could argue. Okay. They should have been a seven, uh, a seven or an eight, uh, you know, but that's about where they were supposed to be. So, um, but but what they accomplished or didn't accomplish in November, December, January it has nothing to do with the way they're playing right now. And and I'll be honest. Like, listen, I, I had this team ranked number one in the preseason for all the same reasons everybody else did. I don't want to say I gave up on them, but I just gen, gen, generally didn't think that they would be able to flip the switch and, 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 and become the team that I thought they were going to be uh, this late in the season. And yet, here they are. And... Um, you know, I, I know that Calipari, John Calipari can be a punching bag for, for writers and, 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 and opposing fans because honestly, he invites a lot of it on himself. Uh, but the job he's done with this team to turn this around, to get them to, to work together in a way that through about four months, it didn't look like they were going to, it is really a remarkable coaching job and you can't do anything but tip your hat to the guy. What is he doing tonight, John Calipari? He's got to feel like in his private moments, he must feel so vindicated by winning four games, getting to his third final four in four years. Uh, Ridiculous. You know, I do not and will not say Kentucky is playing with house money because it's Kentucky. And when you have that talent, you're never playing with house money. Exactly. And they're the favorite. But there is this weird juxtaposition between what you what UK had become and how it so clearly had underachieved and now how it's parlayed just showing utter resolve. And Borzello had mentioned as we were getting ready to pack up a leave in MSG, Kentucky's played in three of the five best tournament games we've had. And to have gotten through what it got through, I mean, 
I still think UK, UK which uh, which I'll say it was the best game of the tournament. Um, but uh, UK Louisville was ridiculously good, and Kentucky Michigan was obviously so thrilling. And to have gotten through those teams, uh, Final Four teams from a year ago, and and all really worthy teams of making a Final Four this year, it speaks to uh, what this team's become. And they did it again today, by the way, without uh, Collie Stein, who's you know going to be drafted eventually at some point. So. Uh, Hats off to Kentucky, and and I will say this: like it, the Final Four is so much more interesting with them in it. Uh, Michigan, of course it is. I yeah, mean, Michigan. No offense. I mean, like, it, yeah. yeah, like I, I had some Kentucky fans. They were like, "Oh, Paris, you're probably crying." I'm like, "Why am I like? I do Kentucky being there is good for me. Like, you know, it's yeah. like people are gonna click on our stories. It, it's <laughs> great. Like, it's great. Like people, like I don't know. Like I, I think people sometimes think we care about stuff that we don't actually care about, or that we, you know, or. or or don't care about things that we actually do. Like I love stories, and there's no better story than John Calipari and these, you know, these five. You know, the new Fab Five. five. By the way, they played five games. They played uh, the five freshmen have started more games now than the Fab Five actually did. You know, like oh, really? oh yeah, yeah, like that. I think the number was fifteen. Fun fact. Yeah, fun fact, right? And so um, they are the Fab Five, and they have you know, or the new Fab Five, and they have an opportunity to do something that the Fab Five actually never did, which is win a. Uh, a national championship and it, it is you know though this is the type where everybody focuses on hey the talent finally came together and and Julius Randle's a beast and and all of that stuff the truth is um yes a lot of it's that but some of it is also and this happens almost every year that somebody shoots their way uncharacteristically shoots their way to a final four. BCU did it in 2011. Like they just start, you know, they started shoot they yeah. were a bad shooting three three point shooting team and suddenly they're shooting three pointers at a remarkable rate and that's how that is how they got, you know, listen, Havoc's great, Shock is wonderful. How BCU got to the final four, that was that was three point shooting in an uncharacteristic way. Well, here's Kentucky. You know, they um you know, in the wins over Wichita State and Michigan, they're shooting like fifty-two percent from three-point range, like that. Like that yeah. in in the SEC this year, eighteen-game schedule, they shot thirty-one point nine percent. In those mm-hmm. two wins against Wichita and Michigan, uh, which were, by the way, a two-point win and a three-point win, they've shot fifty. I think it's fifty-one point seven percent from three-point range. So, how has Kentucky got to the Final Four? John's done a great job. Julius Randle is awesome. The Harrisons have have been tremendous. You know, Aaron hitting that big shot. How, also, um, they they've they've shot the ball in a way that they they really haven't shot the ball all year long, and so sometimes it really does just come down to something like that. Um, you start making shots that you haven't normally made uh, at the time where you can benefit most from it. That Andrew Harrison shot, man. Jeez. Oh, it's just terrific. And you know, like that's the thing. Like you know, Kentucky fans. When I tweeted that stat earlier about. You know, in the Michigan and Wichita State games, they've combined to shoot, again, 52% from three-point range. Um, they were like, yeah, but they're taking better shots. I'm like, that Aaron Harrison shot wasn't a better shot. <laughs> <laughs> it was a hand in his face from like four, three feet. Yeah. Four, oh, is, that who, is that who he was on the AAU scene, though, just in terms of taking shots like that, no matter if they were uh, good or I mean, both him and his brother were. I mean, they both were, were kind of were killers. Aaron was always the better shooter. Andrew yeah. would just kind of go past his guy and, and finish at the rim, but... I mean, they're they're they were both, you know, never afraid of taking a big shot, or never shied away from from taking a big shot. Did I ever tell you guys? I can't remember if I've, I used it on the podcast or not, but I've, I've told this story somewhere. I was talking to somebody who's known those kids, the Harrisons, like forever, right? And they said they talked to the um, to the Harrisons' father 
Um, at one point when they were really – because apparently, like, Bordell, you'll know this better than I. They've been big forever. Is that true? Yes. Okay. Yes. So when they were, like, 14 years old, they were obviously bigger than everybody, all of the 14-year-olds. So um, the the dad wanted them to always play their age. Did they always play their age? Yeah, I mean, they never – they didn't play 17 so they were going into their senior year, if okay, I'm not right. mistaken. Okay, so this makes sense then. So um, somebody I know – advised the dad to have them play up and and the ra- the the rationale was it, it's it's fairly simple to understand he said you you're going to get to a point in your life like if you think these kids are pros or you know high major guys that's this conversation somebody i know had with the dad when he was like when the kids were like 14 he said at some point you're going to be the same size as the people you're playing against. Like, like it's not now, but at some point it'll, it'll be college, it'll be the NBA, wherever you think you're going, you're going to look up and, and be playing people your same size at your same position. So prepare for that now. So forget what age they are. Go find the age where there's people their own size and have them play that age, whatever that age is. If it's 17s, and they're only 14, go play 17s. You need to get used to playing against people your own size. Forget whatever age, your own size, because when you drive on some on, on people who are, you know, smaller than you, well then every you know, every you know, everything that's supposed to be a runner is actually a layup. And everything that's supposed to be a floater um, is is that you just learn how to you don't learn how to play the right way. Like you dunk everything instead of instead of you know use creative you know uh, stuff around the rim you just you don't need to be playing against people that are four inches shorter than you because one day you're going to get to a point where you're not playing against people four inches shorter than you you're not going to know how to play and so this person said so why are they struggling this year besides the fact that either one's a true point guard and all that stuff and and maybe they they don't you know maybe they've got some bad whatever going they never played against people their own size they are learning for the like the, the way this guy said was he said, "You got to like most basketball players. Like, if you're seven, you play against people your own size. Then you're nine. You play. You these kids for the first time in their entire lives are playing against people their own size, and they've had tr- trouble adjusting to it. And he and and so they might figure it out, but it's taken some time. And I just thought, I thought that was a really interesting observation that yeah. that the first time they ever played against people their own size was was you know when they got to Kentucky. And and so maybe maybe that's among the reasons, maybe not the reason, but among the reasons it's been a a, a slow transition. But but man, they're, they're they're playing right now. They're playing right now. You know, they're, they're they've been good. They've been really good, and I think there might be actually be something to that. You know, uh, Kyle Anderson used to play way up. I think it was more because of skill level or whatever, but I think that kind of spoke to why he was I so good saw, and Justin. I first saw Kyle Anderson when he was in eighth grade. He was playing with either 16s or 17s. Right. He, he, was, he was tall then. Yeah, um, no, exactly. Yeah, I mean, so there's there's something nine, but yeah, he was tall. I just thought there's that was I just thought that was yeah, interesting. No, that's, 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 I, I had never had somebody put yeah. it that way. Like be, you need to learn to play against people your own size because one day you're going to have to play against people your own size. And the Harrisons are are, are you know two of the the very few examples of kids who enter college without ever probably playing people consistently their own size unless you think there's like a bunch of six five guards playing high school basketball against them every night in yeah, Texas. And, you know, and now and now they won't. Now they're not going to have that to the same degree against Wisconsin, which I'm I absolutely love this game because um, they they got smaller guards. I mean, Brusson and Gosser are, are solid, but they're not nearly uh, they don't have the physicality at all. But Wisconsin's like fun. First of all, just a quick side note. I tweeted out, but I got to say the stat like if you're an Arizona basketball fan, it is Ugh. 
it has been brutal. GP, I saw that you. I, how did you? By the way, you tweeted. You retweeted it like two hours after I tweeted. Did you just? Did someone else? come across I, it i don't know how i saw it i just remember seeing it and going wow like yeah that is, that is just i like god duh like, that is just yeah, awful. well arizona's been obviously nationally relevant for sure forever. and, well, and miller still is, is has been you know heartbroken he's been to the second weekend of the tournament five of the last seven years exactly dude i mean i dude, didn't realize he's, that he's a That's, great coach and yeah. unfortunately now he with you know it was basically you could have made the argument uh, him or bo ryan best coach never make a final four at the d1 level bo's obviously done so much at the d3 level but uh so now uh, sean's gonna have to carry that and it's kind of like a compliment but at the same time like this tournament is such a beast it's not it's not an indictment on your ability as a coach but if you're an arizona fan you haven't made the final four since 01 and the past four times you've got there your team has lost by no more than three and the average is by 1.8 points and two of those games have gone to overtime and one of them is probably the worst collapse in tournament history that 05 game against what was an awesome illinois team so it's just for arizona which was so good this year and and really i mean that wisconsin there have been so many ridiculous games every year i i I list the 10 best games of the tournament i think i might expand it to 15 because it's been unreal how many games it's not just like we haven't had a lot of buzzer beaters but we've had so many games guys where it's it's been 20 30 minute experiences in uk wichita state it was a two-hour experience of like riveting basketball just you know push and pull that wisconsin arizona stat uh, somebody tweeted it the last 18 minutes nobody had more than a three-point Yes, Dave Repson from the Big Ten Network. The final 18 minutes, no one led for more than no one led by more than three points. It was just kind of it was tense the whole way, and it was so just you know props to Zona. You know we get to a Final Four and and we look back and these teams are all gone, but like credit to Louisville on an amazing season. It it totally sucks that Russ Smith is out of college basketball, and and props to Zona for really being uh, such an impressive club all year. But Wisconsin's damn good, and and the offense is fantastic, and I can't wait for them for Frank the Tank. That dude is that dude's ridiculous. He's a stud, and man. He is a stud, and uh, I was talking with some Michigan State coaches, um, and they were just kind of like, he might be good enough if he wants. If he has like a really good game against Kentucky and those bigs, like he's a junior, his stock, his NBA stock is is now existent. Whereas the beginning of the year, not even close. So to see him play, step out, he's got he's got incredible post moves. Dude, he's he's my he now Baz is the best, but I I think I like watching Kaminsky more than anyone in this final four. And then of course you get Bo Ryan also in the final four for the first time. And you know, listen, I, I I tell you I like stories. Like what's better than Bo Ryan in the final four? This is a guy who has been one of the consistently great uh, college basketball coaches uh, for many many years, and yet you know people will always pick you apart for something, right? And and with Bo it was yeah, but you know his teams aren't built to go to a final four, you know, they can, you know, and, and this and that and here they are, right? You know, I, I remember Billy Donovan talking about it um after he won his first national championship because the 5 years prior he had been eliminated in the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. And he said, "Listen, my philosophy has always been just get just get get in here." And then, you know, just keep knocking on the door. And at some point, you're just going to break through. You just will. If you get here enough, you're just going to break through. You won't even know how you did it or why you did it or what happened or if you were supposed to. If you just you just keep knocking on the door over and over again. At some point, you'll get through. And uh, I guess I always assumed that would happen with Bo. Uh, but it's fine. It, it, it's nice that it's finally happened because, you know, listen, he, he's a bazillionaire uh, successful coach. I, I, his problems are are smaller than most people's problems. But it must suck to be awesome at your job and still have people, like, nitpick you to death, you know? Still have people say, yeah, but you can't do this. And so now, at the very least, like, that's off the table for him. And then, and you know what? You know who will get it off the table next? Sean Miller will be the one to get it off the table yep. next. And so um, it's just real. I you know, 
uh, I like the idea of having Bo Ryan in, in the first Final Four. I, I like listen. This is not the Final Four I predicted. I wrote about this earlier, uh, but this is a pretty awesome Final Four. I mean, you got star power. You know, Hall of Fame coaches. You know, Kentucky. Uh, Bo Ryan for the first time. Like I'm in. I'm not always intrigued by the Final Four. I really like this one. There's a ton of storylines. Yeah, yes, no question. Yeah, we will not have. Yeah, when we kind of discuss going forward here, what we want to think, we want to write about. There's going to be more than enough to go around between the coaches alone, the players. The you know we we touched on it so much here already with with everything. So no, I, I when you when you look at the fact that uh, and John Gasway tweeted it out. This is actually statistically, if you average the seating, it's the fourth. Uh, highest average seed in in modern tournament history. That normally, like the other ones, were 2011, which UConn won, and that was you know that was when VCU made it, and that was like that was an interesting one, but it ended up being not that great of a Final Four. 2000, which of course had you know UNC and Wisconsin make it as eight seeds, that wasn't that was Izzo's only title, but that wasn't a great Final Four. And then 06, when Florida won its first of the two, that also wasn't a great Final Four. I mean, maybe going in those stories would have been interesting, but. I think we've got a decent chance at good games, no matter what. I mean, Wisconsin, with the way they play, it's it's. I just can't see that game being too wide of a margin either way. Florida obviously could outpace uh, UConn, but I'm not going to count out Shabazz with what he's done. I think that will at least be intriguing, and then we talked about what will happen if Florida gets to the title game. All right, remember, you listen to the Island College Basketball Podcast brought to you uh, by Squarespace, where you can easily create your own professional website or online portfolio. You know Squarespace is uh, constantly improving its platform with new features, new designs, and even better support. They've got beautiful designs for you to start with. And all of the style options you need to create a unique website for you or your business. It's easy to use, but they got amazing support. It's available 24-7 and all starts at just $8 a month. And you can start a free trial with no credit card required, uh, which means you can start building your own website today. When you decide to sign up, remember, uh, use the offer code FUN to get 10% off and to show your support for the Eye on College Basketball podcast. All right, let's wrap this up um, with... Uh, three predictions uh, brought to you by Squarespace, and uh, I'll have one. You have one, Norlanda. Borzello, you can go first. Uh, Saturday semifinals. Predict the winners for us and give us your national, your new national champion. I'll go with Florida beating uh, Connecticut, and I'll go with Kentucky beating Wisconsin to face off for the fourth time this season. I think it's only happened once before. I think somebody tweeted that it was Michigan State and Wisconsin. Played four times, or Duke, Maryland, somebody like that played four times. Duke, Maryland uh, is definitely one of them. Memphis, yeah. Memphis Cincinnati did. Really? All right, so yeah. maybe it's Nick, happened more, Nick, than, more Nick, than once. Nick Van Axel killed them dudes like four straight times <laughs> in a row. Dude, I used to have nightmares. Growing up in Memphis, like I had nightmares about Nick Van Axel. He, <laughs> about this. So, like, I think Van Axel, when the Grizzlies moved to the to Memphis, before they played in FedEx Forum, they played in the Pyramid. I did not witness this, but somebody who worked at the Pyramid uh, told me about it. So, Van Axel's like with the Nuggets or somebody. And he comes in to play the Grizzlies. Like, first year the Grizzlies are in Memphis, second year, whatever. And uh, he walks in the pyramid, and he looks up in the rafters, and he goes, man, I'm surprised they don't have my number retired in this place. <laughs> he That's used pretty to, good. He used to straight kill them, man. They, they beat them twice in the regular season, and then in the conference tournament final, and then in the Elite Eight so um, I, I don't know if it's happened other than that, but I know right, that, so it's happened, that's one it's time. happened a bunch of times. Right. I, I, do, I think those teams will, will meet in the title game. I think Florida's going to win uh, for the fourth time. I just think that you know they've, they're the most complete team in the country. I think they've been the best team in the country for a while. Um, and I just think they, they just they match up well with Kentucky, and I think that's where Kentucky is. You know, it's funny to say this, but their magical run through the tournament ends. 
Okay, I'm EGP. Uh, I will I will take Florida over UConn in a game that I hope is close, but I think the Gators kind of just make UConn submit in the way that Florida does so well. Um, I think it will be somewhere in an eight to ten margin uh, with the game kind of being almost like, you know, what you said, so like you, every one of Florida's games ever. Yeah. Like what, but like what he said with, with Dayton, like we watched that game and, and while for a certain points it was, it was fun and interesting. You never ever thought Florida wasn't in control. I'm expecting that with, with Florida and UConn here. Um, Cause I, that UConn 2011 team, it still to me is, is, you know, and, and no offense to Husky fans. It just is one of the worst title winning teams. Like they were good. They won the oh title. Oh my just, God. The like, worst ever. <laughs> exactly. So, and I don't think this UConn team is as good as that one. So, I, I think I think Florida is going to uh, win. And then I I have Wisconsin beating Kentucky because um, of Frank the Tank and because of uh, I think Bo will have a lot of time to prepare there. Kentucky clearly has more talent. If I'm I'm also thinking Collie Stein won't play. He was on crutches. I know he's going to try. So that's kind yeah, of I a can't match yeah. I, I don't think he is. So. I will take uh, Wisconsin there in a good game, though. I think it'll be a ton of fun because there's just two totally, totally different styles. And I think that's going to be a ball to watch. And then um, why not? I'll, I will take Bo Ryan to win this thing. Oh, I, I wow. Would, yeah. You, wow. I will. I will. I will take I will take Bo Ryan to do it. Um, that would be tremendous. I'm, I'm just kind of thinking off the top of my head. I don't know how many other coaches and I. Wooden might be one of them, but would have earned their first national title at an older date. I might have to start looking that up. But if you compare Bo Ryan to John Wooden, look at look you. At no, no, but I'm, you know what I'm saying, though. Only um, three people: Wooden, Wooden, Bo Ryan, and and uh, Rick Bird. That's Rick your Bird. Yeah, there you go. Those your, that's your that's your Mount Rushmore three people. <laughs> yeah, Mount Rushmore three people. Board <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mount, yeah, you gotta add one. You'll find another yeah. one. Just yeah. put, put Rick Bird up there twice. Have him bookend it. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll go Badgers over Gators in a in a fairly good and entertaining. <laughs> uh, I'll go Florida and Kentucky All SEC final, and then Florida beating Kentucky. We could talk about it at, at length that uh, later on in the SEC week. SEC is the best conference in the country. Which the oh god, I just had to remind people like unless unless you brutal. think unless you're going to tell me the Eastern Conference is awesome That's... when the when the Heat win the national world championship at the NBA level, uh, then shut up. You know what this means? Let's let's, let's be very clear what this means. Having two SEC teams in the Final Four, you know what it means? It means that of a 14-team league, two of them were really awesome. One of them's been awesome all year, and one of them started playing really, really well in this tournament. And and and, and here's what I'll take it a step further. It also means Tennessee was closer to its Kimpom rating than it was his actual resume all year long. And that's it. That's what it means. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything more than that. It doesn't, you know, it, you know, just because, you know, Dan Walken, our buddy from USA Today, tweeted this earlier. You know, just because Florida State and Clemson both won BCS Bowls doesn't mean that the ACC was awesome in football this year. That's not what yeah. it means. It means what it means. And if you try to draw any sort of larger conclusion from it, you you just it's an exercise in silliness. That's SEC fan though, man. Like the SEC, and obviously in football more than anything, but they love latching on to the entire conference once we get time to the postseason and, yeah. and kind of taking credit as a whole. It's a weird thing. I don't think it really happens with any other conference. It's you know it's it's it just weird. It's also like rooted in just it's just dumb. Like I get so I get aggravated by idiocy. I, I <laughs> GP. I know we've talked about this. I've heard. I've, I've heard that podcast yeah. like all year. I, I mean, just it's, get it's, so angry when people are just dumb. I don't mind people being like I. I like it. Like 
like if somebody wanted to sit down now and have like a conversation like, okay, so you gave up on this Kentucky team. Why? And let's talk it out because that's actually like not that's actually real. Like I didn't think they were going to be able to flip a switch and do this. So like if that were the criticism you were hearing, I was hearing from from Kentucky fans now, I'd be like, yeah, let's talk about that because I think that's really interesting because um, I didn't think this team was going to be able to turn it around. I didn't think the Harrisons were. Where I, I just didn't think the pieces fit well together. Like, listen, all these podcasts are, you know, they're 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 easily they're easily available. You can go back and hear every word I've ever said. I'm not trying to use revisionist history. So, to me, if you want to use what's happened in this tournament to address that, like, let's talk about that. But when you try to pretend that somehow it means the SEC was underrated or that we were all wrong about the SEC or that Ken Palm or Sagarin or the RPI was all wrong, that's just dumb because it's untrue. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know that Florida's in the national championship game doesn't mean. Auburn was better than we thought. Like, I, and I don't know why people mm-hmm. can't understand that. Why can't people understand that? Uh, I, I can't. I can't help you. We'll ask around. We'll, we'll discuss this again Thursday. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Listen. Spend the next. Spend the next few days. Try, Make some phone calls. Yeah. Trying to figure out why people can't grasp that. I like. I have a, one of my neighbors. Bless his heart. He's like a nice guy, but he, he's an Ole Miss graduate. And I like, swear, let me, let me, I, I wish I could, let me find my phone. This guy, like he could not. <laughs> He's he, going to the phone. Yeah. Okay. So like he's my neighbor, right? I won't use his name, but he like lives a couple of houses from me. And he's, he, he, first time he doesn't even care about basketball. So I don't even know what he's watching it for, but he says, okay, so what time the game in? Like what time that Kentucky game in? What today? Yeah. Uh, seven, f- seven ish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So at seven fifteen, like it says seven seventeen. This is when I get the text message. Yep, SEC sucks at basketball. Three Sweet 16 teams and two Final Four teams, but we would have had three teams in a Final Four of football, so we suck at basketball. Harris has his neighbors trolling him. I'm like, dude, you don't think I'm getting enough of this on Twitter? Like, why do I have to listen to it from you? And so, and so then I respond, the SEC does suck at basketball. It does. <laughs> Su- no question. Suggesting otherwise is dumb and simple-minded. He said, oh, yeah? Well, does any other league have two teams in the Final Four? Just saying. I hate it when people say just saying. It drives me crazy. So I said, no, no, no. I understand what you're what you're just saying. It's the same thing a lot of dumb people are saying. I, I, I've heard I've heard it all before. And then he says, it's a fact. Exclamation mark. Fact. Okay. What's what's dumb about the fact, fact that we have half of the final four? SEC, SEC. The, the ACC is half the NIT. This is what I'm dealing with. And I just and like, you know what? Like that guy, that guy I just read those. He's a college-educated, smart, wealthy individual and could not be dumber when it comes to this. Drives me crazy. So I want you guys to spend the next two days figuring out why it is fans of SEC schools have somehow concluded from Florida and Kentucky's success that the SEC is great or even good at basketball. And I'm, I'm, and if you can bring me back an answer that this is a straight up homework assignment from Parrish. Yeah, right yeah. If you bring me back an answer, uh, let me know. Just let me know if you could bring me back an answer that that includes anything other than the phrase uh, than uh, other than the phrase. You know what? Sometimes people are just dumb. If, if you right. can, if you could come up with something else, I'll listen to it. Right? Just saying. I'm 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 just worried that you, that's what we're going to be dealing with. Is hey, people are just dumb. But seriously, congratulations to the SEC, though. I mean, it is. In fairness, if I were a dumb fan. I would be screaming the same thing. <laughs> there you go. There you, <laughs> there you go. All right. 
we've kept you long enough. <laughs> I really do appreciate you. I have nothing it. else to add. <laughs> Being here at CBSSports.com, listen to the podcast, read what we write, interacting with us on Twitter. Remember, you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast on iTunes. It's the best way to get the latest edition as quickly as possible. So do that, and we will talk to you live from Dallas or recorded from Dallas. <laughs> but all together, but yes, together, all together. A little later on this sitting, week. Sitting in our hotel room together. Till then. Why'd you have to make it weird, boys? Yeah, why'd you have to make it weird? Because I wanted to. All right. Hey. 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 Take, Take care, care of yourselves. Take care of yourselves. <laughs> <laughs>